This is Tom Cosgrove, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm Podcast. The big stuff. Who do you think you are? Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. Donovan, you're still talking to me. You're not You're not big time in me. Dude, I well, I learned from the alumni, it's like big league is big league, dude. When you stop playing, you become a civilian and you become the person that you are around everyone else. Okay. Like the, you know, that's one of the things, um, for those, those of you guys that don't know, I just spent last week at the San Diego Padres uh, fantasy camp. Um, an amazing experience. I'll just say, if, if you can do it, do it because not only, I mean, playing baseball was the fun part and actually the very, very, very painful part for just about everyone. But the two guys that do, you know, the do CrossFit five times a week, um, the rest of us guys from the 30 year olds to the 75 year olds, like it was like, oh my God, we were just sore and it was a beautiful soreness. It was a beautiful pain. But if you can do it, go spend the week there and I'm going to explain to you how much fun it was right now. Just insane. So, so was Andy Ashby out in the parking lot before everybody got there with his cooler hanging out drinking Coors Lights? Dude, pretty much. I, like, like <laughs> well, one of the things about I've Ashby heard is, the guy's a legend. He's a legend. I mean, I, I I didn't know what to expect. You know, you see him on the TV and uh, you know doing the broadcast on occasion. And he has done that for a couple of years now. But like, like ah, yeah, yeah, okay, he's kind of cool. First thing he comes into the he comes into the clubhouse. He's like, "What's up, fuckers? God damn it, you fuckers!" Sorry for the curse words, but just like it's f bomb this and f bomb that, and um, just super cool, super friendly. All the all the all the alumni we call them alumni the 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 former Padres uh, that were that were there are were just cool as hell. And let me tell you who the coaches were. So my coaches were um, with Heath Bell and RKC and Franco. I think you had the most it, just from the names. It sounds yeah. like you had the most like fun, like the the pranksters, the jokesters of the bunch. Dude, we so it was, it was uh, Heath Bell and RKC and Franco. Those guys, I mean, like you would think he's Heath Bell is a major leaguer. Like that guy played for years on several all star. Yeah, dude. And and so he's like, okay, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. Okay, we're all like, yeah, we're like, don't suck. All right, there we go. Specialist on three. <laughs> <laughs> um, RQC and Brocco, same thing. You know, you would think that I didn't know what to expect with that guy. I saw a little bit of him over the last summer in the uh, the fantasy camp, and he was kind of like, wow, he's kind of loose, man. It's kind of fun. Um, really cool guys. Um, then there was the bad Ash Hicks. That was Andy Ashby and Jake Peavy, but Peavy's grandfather died uh, like on Saturday, so he had to skip out. Trevor Hoffman, who I'll explain later, was fined for in kangaroo court for showing up a couple days late, became the uh became the coach, the sit-in coach for uh Jake Peavy. And then you had the Boonies Bombers, who was Brett Boom and Rob Deer, who Deer they call Rooster. Uh, the, <laughs> low, the right the low ride mud flaps were Mark Grant and Mark Loretta. Uh, the specialist Heath Bell and Argus and Franco, the Tanachis, which was a shout out to the Italian pronunciation of Gene Tennis. Um, was that was Terry Kennedy, TK, and John D'Aquizo. Yeah, is I, I, is Gene Tennis, is his family Italian? Is that, is there something yeah. to that? Or is that yeah. just goofing around on the, on the spelling I, of the name? Well, that's the way, you know, he seemed pretty serious when he said it. I'm not sure exactly. Um, I think that's the Italian way to, uh, to say, uh, tennis. We say tennis, Tenacci. Um, okay. then the, then the youth movement was, uh, Nick Hudley and B Law, Brian Lawrence. Okay. And, and so our team, 
we won the whole damn thing. We, we I saw that. Congratulations. <laughs> he, you know, when we had our first to kind of work out, he all got us all together. Like, okay, we drafted you guys because you all can hit. And okay. we happened to have some pitching. And so what happened was, is, I mean, there were 64 campers. We had six teams, uh, 10 people to a team. Um, and I guess in the past, it was pitching all the way through. Everyone, every game was pitched. Um, this year, since we had more teams and fewer players on the teams, uh, like the first game was was pitched. Like the first game was on Tuesday. Monday it rained out. It was all crappy. We really wanted to play, but we didn't. Uh, but so Tuesday we played on the center field, batting into you know batting into the field, and that was the machine pitch. Okay, just to kind of like we didn't have a mound, we didn't have you know we didn't have a man on the center field, so they just set up a pitching machine. It's throwing about fifty fifty five miles an hour. Oh. And and you know for 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 guys like me, it was like oh it was it was Rake City, um, but for everyone else it was it was pretty it was pretty honest. So then the second okay. day since we since we didn't play on Monday. Um, Wednesday and Thursday were double headers. So the first game was pitch. What was pitch what you got? Okay. Um, second game was the second game was machine pitch. Okay. Well, I mean, you'll only have so many arms. There are only you so do. many guys in camps that can get on the mound and throw strikes. It's 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 not as easy a thing as you think it would be. Right. Even and for somebody not. to just get up there and throw batting practice right. until everybody gets their outs, you know. Yeah, and that and that was a thing. Like we had really good pitching. We had three guys that can throw pretty good, and we had a um a um a, a guy named uh, God I can't pronounce his uh, Jesse Sianonin. Uh, can't pronounce his last name, but he was a um, Paralympian Olympian shot putter. So he was born with one arm, and he had one left arm. And dude, he pitched our first game, our first three innings, and he struck out like fucking five guys. In six innings, um, never pitched a day in his life. Like never, like I'll, I'll pitch. Like everyone's like I'll pitch. Um, and uh, you know, we just had good pitching. We had good hitting. This and guy's was, like Jim Abbott. Oh my god! And he played first base. So and I played catch with him a lot. So it's like he'd throw it over to me. And by the time I got the ball out of my glove and ready to throw it, the gloves in his hand. Okay. So he, he did he did he have one arm or was just, he missing just, his just hand? below the, his his other arm his right arm was just below the uh just below the elbow oh okay so he could tuck the glove under his arm tuck the glove throw. under just like um Alan, just like um that's what abbott did yeah yeah what abbott did okay um, and and then when the game's played you know it's just let let it let's go let's go that's, so you have that's awesome. the coaches busting on the other coaches you have our coaches busting on our players, their coaches busting on their players, their coaches busting on us and us busting on them. Um, just having a blast. Okay, so the games were fun. Um, eight o'clock games, there's beer in the cooler. I don't I don't drink. It's like why do these things happen for a guy who doesn't drink? Like we had a 10 o'clock game, two coolers, one cooler full of beer, one cooler full of sodas. Oh man, that's trouble. Dude, big trouble. And uh <laughs> You know? Um, and but people weren't pounding beers at ten o'clock in the morning. But you know, after a couple innings in, you know, they're they're gonna, they're gonna pop a pop. Um, okay, so then you had the games, and then afterwards we went out to dinner with with all the uh, with all the campers to various restaurants. And then the big thing there is is Kangaroo Court. So Andy Ashby, he presides over Kangaroo Court. He has the white wig, he has a funky gavel, and he has a black robe. And kangaroo court is your honor. I'd like to approach the bench. Yeah. Um, we were at a game two yesterday and 
you know, Roy forgot his hat and he had to run back to the clubhouse and, you know, silly stuff like that. All right. First thing, five bucks for you for narking off, you know, for throwing your teammate under the bus. And you had a chance to rebut like your honor. I didn't know. I didn't, you know, you had a chance to defend yourself, uh-huh. uh, which, which usually turned into a giant laugh, right? Cause the, um, some of the charges were just so ludicrous. So like when we went out to dinner, the, the, the first night we went out to dinner, um, like I said, J- Jesse, the, uh, the, the, uh, para, para athlete, um, only has one arm. So we're collecting all the money for the dinner and it's about the bill is 466 bucks and he has a stack of twenties and tens and fives and ones. And uh, I can't remember Heath Bell or it was Argus and Franco goes, I think it was Bell said, Hey, we should take that to the casino and play it on one hand. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds pretty serious. Like, Oh my God, that's just horrible to say. Um, in kangaroo court, everyone's fucking, everyone's just rolling on the ground. Um, Later on, he had, you know, we were playing. We so were, so know, kangaroo, kangaroo Court, this is Andy Ashby was yeah. was the, the judge for all of this, right? Right. Because right. I saw a picture of him wearing a robe and a, yeah. and like a like a the wig or whatever. Absolutely. And so were there. So you had to pay up. Like, did you have to pay up oh, right yeah. there on the spot? Yeah. Well, at the end of Kangaroo Court, I mean, all the money went to the Padres Foundation. So it was like 10 bucks here, 50 bucks there. Hoffman, you were three days late. So, you know, 50 bucks to you. Okay. Um, you know, and the other one uh with with uh with Jesse was um you know, we we're hitting ground balls and hitting fly balls and he he dropped the ball and 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 see if Rocco said, Hey, next time you use two hands. Oh jeez. And once again, you and once again that sounds horrible. I mean, on any other level, that is absolutely rude. But when you're with a bunch of guys and you're having fun and it's all with fun, and in, in the courtroom, it's just it wasn't even ooh, it was just laughter. And <laughs> and Jesse's laughing, we're all laughing and just an insane time. So um it, you guys if you get a chance to go out there, it's a week long, you get a bunch of swag. So we got what the, the road the road brown Padres and then the home pinstripe Padres. Nice. With, with the tail. So these aren't just the these aren't just the jerseys you get in the back of, you know, at, at the team store. These are major league jerseys with a tail on the back. So it doesn't so when it bunches up, it doesn't come up. Right, right. With major league pants, with major league socks. So now everybody was wearing the same kinds of uniforms that were because yeah. I've seen it in the yeah. past where like one team will have the the nineteen sixty-nine jerseys, another team will be like late seventies jersey. No. No, so th- I think they've got it nailed down to the to the brown and the pinstripe. So you come, you know, you come to uh, you come to the ballpark in the, or you come to the clubhouse in the morning, and your jersey's already out. Like there, that's it. You know, you see it kind of on, on roll B roll films with, uh, with with the Padres in the clubhouse. You see them by their locker. You see their jersey hanging up. That looks like it's been like that's that's the jersey of the day. Nice. Now for the clubhouse, you had Sam Lewis from Fort Wayne and AJ uh, Bridges from El Paso, and those guys. Like I have a new like we always knew those guys worked hard, but like we get there at six forty five, seven o'clock breakfast. They're already there. They've been there for hours. We leave at right around four thirty, you know, last games at two o'clock and plays for two hours, four. You get out of there about five thirty six after sitting in the pool or getting you know, hit hit up by the trainers. Um, they're still doing laundry. Like those guys busted their tail. Um, they are paid hourly, although during the season in their regular jobs, uh, in their affiliates, they get paid salary. 
during spring training, they get hourly. So they are getting the overtime past eight hours. And it's funny because I um I saw Sam on like Wednesday. I'm like, God, yeah, God, I woke up at like three. I woke up at like three in the morning. I just couldn't fall back asleep. And he's like, Oh, that's when I went to bed. Well, what time did you get here? He's like, What time did you get? So he's like, That's when I got home. I'm like, What time did you get here? He's got here at six. So he went so, home, got a couple hours of sleep, and came right back. Pretty much. And that's what those guys wow. are doing. Wow. Because um, I mean, so they were washing your guys' gear. Yeah. Overnight, yeah. like after you guys were done, then they're doing yeah. laundry, getting yeah. everything ready for you the next day, setting it up. Um, on top of the uniform gear you get, uh, I got a um, you got a yellow, the, the yellow dry fit Padres jersey. You have the brown long sleeve dry fit jersey. You had the um, the bullpen sweater. You know the guys with the with the long yellow sleeves and the brown chest. Padres. Yeah, you got that. Um, you also got um, like the like workout. Short sleeve jacket, okay. Um, and that's just the and, and then obviously a hat. Um, easily, easily six seven hundred dollars worth of, of gear just in that. Well, I mean, those jerseys are what 250 300 a piece just by themselves, easy, easily like that. It's just in like I would say, then like a thousand dollars worth of gear. And then the next day, you got a, a swag bag with like the large brand new Padres coffee mug, which was, you look on the bottom, like 45 bucks. Holy shit. This is why uh-huh. I don't buy this. Like, oh, and they have, gave you a bunch of Advil too. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you Darvish Cal, like you get a bunch of swag, but, but the fun part of it is just hanging out with guys and meeting guys. A uh, John Howard from news eight was in our, uh, was on our team and he did a feature. He was doing a feature uh, nightly for a segment. And then he was doing a longer feature later on in February uh, where he'll do a whole half hour show uh, on on fantasy camp. Just- Did you see where the ninety seven three guys had their stuff set up? Because I've heard uh, yeah. Woodsy and Paul were in the camp, but they were also yeah. doing their radio show every morning until it was time for them to go play their games. They did that right in front of the uh, right in front of the locker room, and they got fined for having a radio show to holding up the the uh, the games. It was kind of funny. Hey, I mean that's that's yeah. that's deserving. Yeah, they probably and, didn't get out there as early as everybody else to you know get loose pregame warm ups all of that. They would come like, in between commercials. They would they'd be able to sneak out, and a couple times they had to thank Sam Levitt uh, hold off for an hour while they did stuff. But yeah, they got busted every every day. They got busted for having a radio show on the in Kangaroo Court. It was fantastic. Oh man, um, so, so, so go ahead. So so I'm sorry. I, there's just so much to talk about this, you guys, and we'll get onto real stories here in a few minutes, but um. It happened to coincide with minor league strength camp. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. Was was who, who, what active players did you did you wind up running into? Because I know so, you saw a handful of guys at least. Uh, tons of guys. Um, um, ran into uh, Jagger Haynes. Saw Jagger Haynes throw a bullpen. Um, ran into Tom Cosgrove. Got a really good conversation with him. He got put on the forty man. And um, Jordan Guerrero was there. Um, Dylan Lesko. I didn't I, I didn't recognize Dylan Lesko. He's got he's got a mop top, blonde hair. Um, I don't think he's throwing yet, but he's dirt, you know, definitely conditioning and, and getting there. Um, he was there. Uh, a bunch of other guys that I didn't know. Uh, Evan Miller was there. Um Jordan Guerrero. In fact, one of the one of the games where um okay, I'm on third base. Uh Paul Rindle from 97.3, Ben Woods is on uh, is playing third base, and his base is loaded. So he gets smacked a ball, and, and Jordan Guerrero, um, Jagger Haynes, Evan Miller, and another couple other minor leagues, I didn't know who they were, were watching the game. And so our hitter, our batter, crushes the, you know, hard, 
ground ball right to Paul. I start running home. And this is the second game of the week. And I'm already like, can barely walk. And so I'm waddling like a drunk, wounded gorilla home. And he, he throws me out with feet to spare. And then the guys in Guerrero and Haynes and Miller, they're like, oh, wow, you got a slide there. And that's when I posted up on Facebook or on, uh, on Instagram. I'm like, dude, if I would have slid, I would have broke a leg. I wasn't going fast enough to actually slide. Right. Um, well, and you got one repaired hip and another one yeah. that's about to go into the knife next week. Yes. I mean, I guess what the heck if you slide and you wreck the, your, uh, your other, your original hip, uh, you know, it's just going to be replaced next week anyway. So what's the big loss? Pretty much. Um, <laughs> and no, I wasn't the only one, like not, and everything was wet. So even sliding into the bases was really tough. Um, I, uh, I dove for a ball, like a ball was hit down the line and believe me, if, if I had not played any other baseball and just played fresh, Easily got that. Run over there, pick it up. But when you're as sore as we get during this thing, this ball is hitting 15 feet away down the line, and I'm like, I don't. But I got to as I get closer to the ball, I'm like, I think I should die for this. I'm going to die for it. So I go to die, which is really just a falling on my face, and I didn't even slide. I just I mowed the grass with my face. Um, the the ball went by. I got up, and oh my god, where did they have you playing? I had played left field. Okay. Yeah, I, I can catch, an, you know, it, it, a lot of guys that go there, they don't have any skill set, you know. So if you can catch a ball, um, you're in the outfield. If you can, you know, get in the way of a ball and throw it to first base, you're in the infield. So, okay, so now you've played a lot of baseball pretty much your whole life. Yeah. Um, and you get some guys there that played fairly high-level baseball. Maybe they played through high school, played some college, whatever. Yeah. But you've got other guys that they've never played, like, like me, I played little league baseball up until I was like 14 and that right. was it. So I go out there and I would be, I'd be a mess. I, I, there'd be a lot of work and I'm sure there are people out there that played even less than that. Right. There, there, there were, and there were guys of varying ages that didn't know how to play. And there were very guys of older age that, you know, knew how to play, but I mean, 75 year old guys, uh, you know, deep seventies, um, they're, you know, they're playing like, like, um, Ken guy had heart surgery three months ago. Open heart surgery three months ago and um, actually two months ago, because when he woke up from his surgery with his wife, his loving wife right there by his bed, he didn't go, oh, honey, I survived. He's like 56 days to fantasy camp. Oh, um, my gosh. He played he played third base and that guy caught grounders, um, you know, didn't exactly get the throw. It was a rainbow throw at first. But here's a guy, you know, deep 70s, heart surgery recipient, you know, heart surgery um, patient. And he's playing third base. Wow, you know, and so it, and that was you. You, I, I, you rooted for those guys. I rooted for it every time one of those old guys got up. You know, uh, you just wanted him to get a hit. There was a kid there who actually started. We lost one game, and, and there was a kid there that never had never played a day of baseball, but he wanted the experience. So this is this this is the last pool play game, and um, I see Nick Hudley talking to him. Come, let me put your hands here. You know, you see him kind of working with a swing there, and. That kid ended up getting his first hit. His first hit on the fifth, fourth day was the hit that started the rally that they were able to walk off and we lose the game. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. So you're like, then he got a hit in the championship game because we played that same team and he got a hit. And like, we were all like, save the ball. Like that first hit, we saved the ball. The second hit, we saved the ball. We all cheered, you know, and, um, 
just a phenomenal time. Like I'm just gonna just if you can do it, they they allow you to make payments. They give you you know you have to put it down a, a pretty large deposit, um, but the hotel room is included. Dinners every night, but one night is included. Um, you better bring cash for the clubhouse guys. You better bring cash for um, our Venmo for uh, the trainers, Ricky and um, see it was Ricky and Ben, the major league guys. Um, they were the trainers. You go there in the morning. Trainers open up at eight thirty, right after breakfast. Um, they train you up, and you don't need to pay them any money. But you know, it's the thing is like you 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 put money in their Venmo, and they treat you like a big leaguer. Like you know, my hips are horrible, and I walked off the table feeling like a hundred bucks. I stepped. I bet on the there field. was a long line for those guys by the end <laughs> of the week. <laughs> that was it. Like line, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then in there, you see Adrian Morahone, you see Michelle Baez, I saw those guys throw bullpens. Happy birthday, Michelle Baez, by the way. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you don't, you're just another ball player. And, you know, you don't bug them. You let them sit there and do whatever they're doing. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so, I'm so happy that you're finally able to do this. You've been looking forward to it for a few years now. Yeah. It's this, this carrot that keeps getting further. It keeps getting pushed away. Well, you it finally got my, to do it. It was for my 50th birthday, and I'm 53. So there you go. Yeah. COVID, well, happy, COVID happy belated birthday. Absolutely. Um. So once again, you guys do it if you can. Uh, it's a bucket list thing for me. It was a bucket list thing for me. And Liddy's like, let's see what our tax return looks like, and maybe you can go again, which was really sweet. But I don't, you know, it's like she's hooked. Like she was like, this is really expensive. Did she go out there with you? She did. She did, and she was able to hang out and watch some of the games. Uh, she, um, if you guys saw it on uh, my Facebook page, uh, for her birthday, I got Carlos Fernandez, um, Trevor Hoffman to say, "Well, I had him do this." Carlos Fernandez said, "Happy birthday, it's me, amigo, Carlos Fernandez." Your husband's very, and then in the frame comes Heath Bell, "Happy birthday, your husband is a tremendous guy. He had a double for you." And Bell's like, "You crushed it, you know." Um, <laughs> and Mark Loretta go, "Happy birthday, Liddy." celebrating 30 years that's fantastic and then i had trevor hoffman go liddy trevor hoffman here fantasy camp here you celebrating a birthday happy 40th birthday all right and then i had tom tom sign actually say 60 which she actually turned okay yeah so she was kind of the uh the annie savoy of fantasy camp huh yep. there was a woman there her name was uh was i think it was another jesse uh she played well had a good time uh held so there, there was one woman in the in the in one the camp woman. She's done okay. it four times now. Yeah. Oh wow. And, okay. And this is not wow. We're we're using up all the time. Hey, that's okay. Yeah. Um. So women are you know women of she has skills. You know she she hit the ball. She can hit batting practice. She hit pitch balls. Uh, she can catch just as well. Um. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to have those skills. Just as long as you want to go and pay the money, it's worth the experience. Oh yeah. No. I'm mean, my so my my brother in law did it a handful of years ago yeah. and I've played softball with my brother-in-law plenty of times and, and I've seen, I mean, he's, he's an awkward, he's an engineer. He's a molecular biologist, whatever. My sister grew up playing softball. She was an all-star all the way through. She played high school until she wound up doing band, but she, my sister can play and I could see her going out there on fantasy camp right. and showing some guys what's up. Like girls can play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And if it, all the teams do it, so uh, we can hear the other, uh, the other Mariners, like a, a Jeff from uh, Two Strike Noise, one half of Two Strike Noise, was out there for A's camp, but yet he works for the Mariners. So 
he came out to one of my games and, and popped some video. That's some of the uh, the pictures you saw on Instagram as well. And some of those guys from the A's camp went directly over to the Mariners camp. So it's in, it's insane how many, you know, every team has a camp. Right, right. It's it's become a whole thing. Uh, and it sounds like this is the biggest camp that the Padres have done to date. Like, it sounds like in the past, it's been two teams usually. And they just kind of yeah. play each other a bunch of times and that's it. This year, they had, what, six teams? They had six teams, they had 64 campers, and you had six coaches. You had two coaches per team. 64 campers for six yeah. teams. So yeah. there's not a whole lot of subs. No, no. It wasn't like a lot of a lot of our coaching was don't get hurt. Right. Don't get hurt. Don't yeah, get hurt. Yeah, because over the course of the week, I mean, how many guys are going to pull a hammy or, or roll an ankle or something, and then they're on the shelf the rest of the week? Yeah, and you just spent $5,000 on this, and yeah. It happened. It happened to a guy, um, um, Bill Burke. He's actually an associate scout for the Padres. Um, lovable guy, former New York detective, uh, just sweet as he, we're going to have him on the podcast. We didn't talk about scouting, um, on Thursday, he, um, he did something and they had to take him to the hospital. Mm. I mean, they worked on him for an hour, hardcore worked on that, on that knee, but it just didn't, it didn't budge. Um, they, they had him picked up and took him to the hospital. He spent several hours there, got no structural damage. So there wasn't nothing broken, just a lot of tear and just a lot of, a lot of soreness, you know, pretty, pretty extreme soreness. Um, but you know, he got three solid days of, of play. And, and then when he came back, he walked around the field like he owned the place, which was really cool. When you think about it, those, I mean, the, the players, they're, they're athletes. They're, yeah. I mean, their bodies are prepared for this. They do all the stretching and all the off season work and all the pregame work. And they know how to protect their bodies when things happen. And then, you know, us normal Joes that go out there, we're going to go out and try to be, try to look like Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Dive in, sliding for a ball. And we don't know what we're doing out there. No, no. And then after one day of workouts, your legs are so tired, your your body's so sore that it's just a bunch of guys waddling around there. Like I, I tripped over my own feet just trying to walk because my legs were so heavy. Oh, I'm sure. All right, let's get on. Let, let's get on with uh let's get on with the rest of the day. Okay, so the latest breaking news, they finally announced the Nelson Cruz deal. So Nelson Cruz, uh right-handed hitter, probably gonna be the DH only, uh one year, a million dollars. What do you think of that deal? You know, I I like it. You know, we wanted to get him last year in the trade deadline. Um, it's it's anyway, I want to say dead money, but he's certainly gonna be our DH, which kind of frees up Matt Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Um we're gonna see a lot, you know, they can uh, they can probably uh, do a twin billing on on uh you know maybe a, a hard left hander will go Matt Carpenter or uh, Nelly Cruz, you know, a tough righty. Maybe they'll have Matt Carpenter in there. Carpenter's gonna play a little bit of the out uh, infield, so he can spell um a couple guys during the week. Yeah, he was play. He played more outfield than anything else in his time with the Yankees last year. Yeah, uh, but it sounds like first base is is probably his best position right now yeah. at this point in his career. But yeah, Nelson Cruz, he's. I doubt he's going to touch grass. I mean, right. he's going to be a hitter, and that's exclusively it. But for a million bucks, I figure if he shows up and you give him a month and he's just washed like he's yeah. Robinson Cano last year then you can, you can let him go and you can write that money off. It's no big deal. When they were first talking about getting, you know, bringing him on board, I thought they were talking 5 million, maybe right. more than that. And I was, I was cringing about that. But when I heard a million bucks, it's like, why not? Let's see what he can do. 
And I like the angle that he was popped for PEDs like 10 years ago and was able to deal with the whole media circus and come back with that. And now he can take Tatis under his wing and kind of say, okay, here's what you do. Here's what you say. Here's the people you talk to, um, you know, just to smooth all that out because it's going to be an ongoing story. Every city they go to, there's going to be the media barrage on Tatis asking them all the same difficult questions. The giant syringes thrown on the field, all that crap, cheater. Oh, when, yeah. Yeah, he's going to hear it everywhere he goes. Yeah, It's going to be rough. But well, I like what you put in here with the MLB trade rumors. As um, as the season was winding down last season, Cruz told reporters that he was going to undergo eye surgery since he had been dealing with some inflammation that was blocking his vision. He said that it had been affecting him for about a year and a half, which lines up with the period in which his production cratered. Assuming the operation was a success, it's possible that he could get back to his previous levels of production. Like he hit bombs, but he only hit like 230. So he's right. swing and miss. It was the two, two outcomes, either strikeout or home run. Right. And you're relying on him, not just for the power, but also to get on base and, you know, situational hitting and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, and so you need, you need a guy that can hit more than just 230 with empty on base. Right. Um, and I like the other part here. So Cruz is poised to surpass Ricky Henderson as the oldest non-pitcher in Padres history. <laughs> Hen- Ricky Henderson was 42 years, 286 days old on October 7th, 2001, when he collected career hit number 3000 in Tony Gwynn's final MLB game. Cruz could match Henderson on April 13th when the Padres opened a home series against the Brewers, the club Cruz made his MLB debut for in 2005. Uh, and then... The side note here is that relief pitcher Jesse Orozco is the oldest player in Padres history at 46 years, 90 days in 2003. And I bet you Jesse could still get on the mound and throw a couple of pitches. You know, he's playing rec ball somewhere in uh, in California. I'm not sure where he lives, but certainly. For sure. You know, guys, I can't remember, I remember that. He, uh, he he got the 3,000 hit, but he also, when did he get the, um? he slid home. For his easy, I'm gonna slide home no matter what with the, the most runs scored. Right, and it was on a no. It was on a no doubt score. Right. It was right. you know he was on third base and there's a double to the gap and he could walk home. Well, did he I think didn't he need a home run? Didn't he need a home run? Is that I what know? it was? Yeah, everyone was at the at the plate. Okay, maybe that's that must have been it then. And then that, but that's that's Ricky's hit. style. Ricky's yeah. gonna do what Ricky wants to do. Absolutely. All right, next on our list is uh, really just a check-in from uh, Evan Drellick on the minor league bargaining, what's going on with that, what the latest on that. You know, the past two months they have been talking. Now, here's with with the union, with the negotiations, this is the foundation. So I think this is, you know, I've been hearing rumblings of them wanting to do something before the season started, having something down and ready to vote on uh, when the season started. I'm not sure how that's going to work. I'm, I'm so the, sure the, it, the topic here is the minor league baseball collective yeah, bargaining agreement, yeah. which is a whole new, there's never been such a thing uh, in, in professional baseball. Right. So, you know, they're, they're talking about minimum wage, housing, food, transportation, the grievance procedure and benefits people, you know, so all the just a foundation stuff and what that's going to look like. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like gears that you have to yeah. put in place. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that they, that they negotiate. And with the major league CBA, all of that stuff's already kind of boilerplate. And it's, it's the little 2% that they're, that they're arguing about, which winds up being a big deal, Uh, but it's all the labor rights stuff that they're really, that they really need to lay down. Absolutely. And then during the winter meetings, um, 
Commissioner Rob Manfred said, you know, we're all going to have to make sacrifices talking to all the minor league owners. So that's another thing is what, you know, with this agreement, how much of the money, uh, what's going to be put on the owners and uh, how long have we talked about what's more important and, you know, setting up a, a new porch so you can have people have parties or getting a better clubhouse. Right, right. And there's kind of an undercurrent here about what's Major League Baseball's long game. You know, what what are they really trying to achieve down the road? Uh, because there's been some some writing in the sand about. You know, I mean, they've already done one round of 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 chopping teams from the the pool of Minor League Baseball. Yeah. And some people are kind of looking out on the horizon, wondering if there's going to be something else coming down the road ten years from now. Yeah, it's just going. And then how long is that? contract going to be is it going to mm-hmm. line up with the 10-year you know is it going to be a 10-year pro you know a 10-year contract five-year contract three-year contract obviously they're not going to do it in the same they're not going to coincide it with the major league they can't have both at the same time they can't be negotiating the minor league contract and the major league contract so there's that how long is that going to be right that was um, the point that jj cooper brought up with us when we talked to him at the winter meetings yeah absolutely so, you know, there's not much to be talked about. I really, I searched out information over the winter meetings way back, but nothing is, everything is being very tight-lipped. Sure. And you've got a bunch of lawyers in a room and yeah. they're all, you know, negotiating. They've all sharpened their pencils and they've got their yeah. points that they want to argue for their clients. Yeah. I know one thing though, it's only the players because I talked to Sam Lewis and uh, they are not involved. They are not under the umbrella of the union, any union agreement. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're employees of. Are, so now, is Sam an employee of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps? He is an employee of, I think, Major League Baseball because they pay a salary. But, I, he, I, but I, uh, know, an employee I, of the of the Padres. Right. Let me strike that. I do not know. I didn't ask. Okay. I just know he went from from uh, from whatever he was making to salary. Right. Right. Um, but he's in. He's been in spring training every year as long as yeah. I've been going. He's yeah. been out there for spring training, and then he goes to Fort Wayne. I think he worked in a different affiliate for a year or so before he wound up in Fort Wayne. Um, but that's been home for him. Yeah. So I, I, if I had to venture a guess, I bet he's he's an employee of the Padres. Yeah, uh, in spring training, he is. He's hourly paid employee. Um, one thing I did find out about, like the the grounds crew guys, those are all city guys. The fields. Peoria Sports Complex is a city-owned facility. There's oh, really? only like there's only three facilities in Arizona uh, that are privately owned, basically owned by the organization. So, you know, one of the big things about us at Fantasy Camp was you, you know, Peter, you know, Tom Siders going like, you need to get this field ready for my guys to play baseball, and they're like, we're not going to do that. We're going to, you're not going to ruin the field. And we would have ruined the field if we would have played on Monday. It would have been horrible. But like, there's. You know, you can't just go, all right, go fix it. Go do that. Like, there's a whole, there's city employees. Okay. Yeah. And I talked to those guys for a little bit, which is all a ball game, but still kind of fun. Yeah. So as a total aside, I had the opportunity to do the links at Petco Park uh, last last weekend, a nice. week, weekend before, whenever that was. Um, and as I walked out on the rail from the Western Metal Supply Building and looked down, I the, the field was so brown. Everything is dead down there. We've gotten so much rain, but it's like muddy. And they've got the green areas where they had the the holes situated, but it was all turf is is fake. And they had the infield covered in the same fake grass. And it always amazes me how fast they can turn that area around. Just re- they yeah. put in fresh sod. It's like March 1st. It looks like 
it, it looks horrible. Yeah. And then you see on, on the Padres Twitter, they start dropping these little clips and pictures and they're getting it ready. And then by opening day, it's, it's perfect. It's amazing also, to me. Absolutely. And they also paint it though. They do. They do, but it's living grass and they right. take good care of the, of the, the real grass. And it, it throughout the season, they take really good care of it. They've, you see that they'll have those light, the, those light bars over there yeah. overnight to, to get certain areas to grow where you know, they need a little more help. Um, it's amazing what those guys do. And believe me, as a guy who played 20 years of recreation baseball on every high school public field in San Diego, it was so nice to see a ball hit through the infield that rolled through the infield that rolled straight and true all the way back to me in the outfield. Just oh, phenomenal. Man. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> no, no, not stepping into the batter's box and being like three inches in the hole and just are stepping into a hole. God, just immaculate. Nice. Speaking of immaculate, we have the minor league, we have the international uh, draft. Yeah, so it's a whole, it's a brand new start. Okay, so the international signing period opens on January 15th every year. Uh, and this year, everybody's known pretty well in advance that the Padres had their eyes on the number one international prospect in this year's class. Uh, so the club announced uh, Sunday that it has signed Venezuelan catcher Ethan Salas, the top-ranked prospect in this year's international top 50 prospects list. According to industry sources, it's a $5.6 million deal. The Padres opened the international signing period with a base signing pool of $5.825,500,000. So that right there... They're dedicating like 98% of their pool to one guy, Ethan Salas. Yep. Yep. And then the rest of their money, they can, you know, they've, I've seen that a list of what I think I wrote down here. They've got 19 guys so far um, that are signed as of the 18th. Uh, and the signings under $10,000 don't count toward the pool, right. uh, but there's no overage. There's no penalty for going over. It's just a hard cap. You may yep. not spend more than five. Million eight hundred twenty-five thousand five hundred dollars. Uh, so they're putting all of their chips into this kid, and holy smokes, what a good-looking signing right from the start. So S Salas, one of the best catching prospects in recent history, was born to play baseball. His strong skills on the field are matched by his notable family ties, as his father, grandfather, and uncle all played professionally. He's the younger brother of Marlins prospect Jose Salas, now Twins prospect. He just got traded in that Pablo right, Lopez right. deal. Uh, and the 16-year-old could end up being the best player in the family. At the plate, the athletic Salas has a good feel for the strike zone with the ability to hit the ball to all fields. He shows good raw power and is expected to increase as he develops. Remember, he's 16. Yeah. He has a nice loose swing and has the ability to hit home runs in batting practice and games. So that right there says that what power he has, he already knows how to get into it, at least with the level of pitching he's been facing. So the level of pitching he's been facing, if you saw it on Twitter, was seeing 96. Right, right. Yeah, and he, it's not like he's he's been in some little camp with a bunch of 12-year-old scrubs. Right. I mean, he's playing against some real athletes. Yeah. Uh, so on defense, Salas shows plus potential because of his soft hands, blocking ability, and receiving skills. He has good throwing mechanics and a good arm. He's already exhibiting leadership skills and runs well for a catcher. Um, but what what surprised me coming out of this? Okay, so I'm used to seeing hyperbole about right. a prospect that's signed at 16 and he's got the body like a Greek god and he can hit the ball five miles. Yeah, you, know, you see the back yeah. lots pictures of some, you know, some workout. But he went on MLB Network and was talking to Harold Reynolds and I think it was Jessica Mendoza. No, no. Yeah. Um, it was in the clubhouse, but it was on mute. So I'm like, you 
Well, yeah, turn it up. Can you guys didn't turn it up? I had to wait till it was on Twitter before I got a chance to listen to it. He sounded like an absolute pro. The way that he handled these questions, the answers he was given, he, his English, he's perfectly fluent in English. Yeah. Totally comfortable speaking English. Um, and on national TV, answering these questions and giving the right answers and giving like fully formed answers not yeah. you know some 16 year old kid when i was 16 I'm, i was a blithering idiot right. and you'd i'd be giggling my way through something like that I'm like oh my god i'm on tv he was just he was cool <laughs> calm collected a, a pro at 16 yeah. i was blown away yeah absolutely and then the uh you know the video also saw of him with the local media same thing and he says all the things that you're supposed to say but being able to say that without any with no pauses not not like listening to me on a podcast you know just having it come out flow easily well thought well said but not well thought out he didn't have to stop to think he knew what to say he knew how to say it and he said it with ease like he's been doing it for years and that once again coming from a 16 year old um, as much as you are coached i'm sure uh through uh the buscones with the media um he belongs you know he belongs in front of a camera he belongs in front of a mic and he certainly is going to belong in this organization. What the the clip that got me was uh, I I think it was Sam Levitt that asked the question and something about you know what do you think about the Padres where their situation you know they're positioned and all this what do you think about joining the Padres organization in particular and he turns and goes who doesn't want to be a San Diego Padre right, right. now like oh my god that's my guy running through a wall for that guy yeah. So he's 16. I usually somebody in his spot would spend a year in camp before they even touch a, an organization game in the Dominican league. Yeah. But they're already saying that he might come stateside next this, this coming year and play this coming year. We're already in 23. Yeah. He might play in the Arizona summer league this year, which at 16 is a, a pretty big leap. Uh, but if he's, if, my understanding is that the guys that spend this time in the Dominican league, they're there to to take English classes and right. to learn some of the culture things about, you know, I mean, it's just the simple stuff of being a pro showing up yeah. on time and work ethic. And, and I mean, the basic Nutrition stuff that they and, and expect of these and, guys. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, his family, he comes from a family of, of, of professional ball players, So he probably has a pretty good grasp on all that stuff already. And, and having him come up here at 16, isn't really unprecedented. You know, uh, Rosman Verdugo, uh, was was uh, 17 in the complex last year. Um, God, I can't remember someone else on Twitter. I think Madfires had tweeted another name for a player. Um, that was um, like, not Il Raza, but um, we had him on the Sammy Zavala was, was right. Eight, you know, was was 17 going on 18 in Lake Elsinore this year. True, so it's true. it's not it's not unheard of to have him at 16 uh, come to those states and play ball, particularly with that amount of money. Particularly with the way Preller loves to show those guys, if you can play, you're gonna we're gonna make you we're gonna push you. Yeah. So what did what did, what did uh, Josh say? You you challenge the gifted, you challenge the talented, or something like that. Okay, I couldn't remember. I love he said it. Something like that. I love it. I mean, he's he's all of a sudden everybody's favorite favorite guy in San Diego just from answering a couple questions the right yeah. way. It doesn't take much to to no. earn the hearts of the Padres fans, <laughs> and, and and nor should it, you know, and. It really shouldn't, particularly with the way, you know, the farm system. We love our farm guys, but, you know, particularly way with, um, with how many guys were traded away, how many of those guys were beloved for years and are making impacts on major league teams right now. So Preller and his 
staff are bringing in those guys that are going to make impact with us as Padre, as a Padre, or in the major league level uh, somewhere down the line. Right, and so right now you look at the Padres. The, the, the prospect pool. Um, I know a lot of you guys out there subscribe to Mad Friars and they're putting out their top 25 lists or their top 30 lists. Uh, and there's a lot of names in there that you don't necessarily know. Um, you know, even those of us, I mean, we follow as close as anybody. And yeah. even still, there's some people in there that I'm looking. It's like, I, I know the name. I know what position they play, but I don't know a whole lot about them. And then just today, uh, Geekster, Michelle, she posted a picture. She ran into Dylan Lesko and somebody else. And she messaged me with this picture. It's like, Who's this other guy? And I I don't know. He's a right, brand right. new face. Maybe he's somebody <laughs> they just signed on a minor league deal. Uh, maybe he's somebody they just drafted. But a lot of these, all of a sudden, you're seeing going to see the Padres, uh, their farm jump back up to yeah. like middle of the of the road, because a lot of these guys that they've signed in the last year or so are are going to pop this year. Right, we're developing. Well, and and so right now those guys and Michelle Baez you saw on Instagram today, all the pitchers came from Peoria who are literally there on Sunday, Saturday with us, are now here in San Diego doing the MLB camp. So you saw the you Darvish, you saw the Joe Musgrove, you saw all that video of those guys throwing bullpens out in the bullpen at Petco. Now those younger guys are coming over to Petco and having a, like a quote-unquote, major league camp. Oh, okay. Yeah, pre- pretty much that's the case. Um, I just didn't know Leska would be out here. I, you know, I saw the bias, and I'm like, great. Um, who I did see there in the batting cages, though, was uh, this guy was just hitting, was just the bat speed was phenomenal and he was incredibly good looking. And I'm like, I think that's David Dahl. And I looked up, you know, went to baseball reference. Oh, shit, that's David Dahl. Who's that? That's David Dahl. Who's that? We just sent him to a minor league contract. He's probably going to be a, you know, our death piece, if not a fourth outfielder this year. Um, and to see the bat speed from the minor league guys to a major league guy, it's a whole different ballgame. Oh like, yeah, he had insane bat speed, and the the sound off his bat was just like crack, was just like thunder, you know. So um, you know, and he's working on a swing. He, he was talking to the coaches there, and when he got out of the cage, I'm like, "Hey, that's Padre fans are happy to have you here, David. Good luck." Oh yeah, thanks, man. You know, he's nice. bouncing around the complex. Nice. Yeah. So All right. So on. tell us about about the each team's prospect of 2022. <laughs> We almost had this on our last episode, but we just kind of ran out of time because we had so much of um, interviews Alex, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so much Alec Jacob. Um, so each team, 2022 prospect. Uh, this is from Jonathan Mayo and Sam Dystra of MLB Pipeline is our very own friend of the podcast, Alec Jacob. Right-handed pitcher, number 25 on the Padres top 30. It reads, the 6'4 righty was a standout starter at Gonzaga, but was passed over 489 times before San Diego selected him in the 16th round in 2021. The Padres moved Jacobs to the bullpen and pushed him three different levels before giving him another advanced assignment to the Arizona Fall League. Jacob thrives on funk from a difficult sidearm angle that helps him put nasty sneak on his fastball, good spin on a slider, and some fade on his changeup. Though he lacks anything resembling big-time velocity, and he uh, and he admits that, uh, Jacob can throw off hitters timing by finding a major league ro- timing to find a major league role shortly. And this could be the kind of year. You know yeah, I mean, he he had a good year in high A last year, yep. so he'll probably go straight to double A. And then if you're showing well in double A and an opportunity pops, yep. you never yep. know when that when that call might come. 
you know, and he did really good. He did really good with um in, in double A. Obviously, once you get to triple A at the end of the season for his first kind of full season in affiliate ball, he did get lit up. It is the Pacific Coast League. It takes some time for those guys, especially those that don't have absolute cannon velocity. Um, it takes them to kind of figure it out. Right. You know, talking to Tom Cosgrove, I'm like, dude, you had, a, dude, you had an excellent season. He's like, yeah, a great season in, in uh, the Pacific. I'm like, in the Pacific Coast League. He's like, yeah, up until the last game, where I think he gave up a bunch of, <laughs> where he gave up a bunch. <laughs> right, and that's the thing you you need to kind of filter that when you're looking at at stat lines from the minor leagues, especially in the PCL. That. Yeah one or two bad games can make the whole season look pretty mediocre. Yeah. But if you can take that out and you can look at the positives in there, yeah. you know, there's, there's where you can see what to believe in. No, absolutely. But, and, and just to kind of follow up with that, um, it's development. Like these guys all develop at different times. Um, the velocity may not be there with, with Alec, but even learning how to, to pitch better, you know, mm-hmm. how to, how to judge guys in their swings and all that kind of stuff. I just saw a tweet before we came on uh, with uh, Nick Kuja. Nick Kuja posted like, look, it showed him in 2013. He was like 15 years old, throwing 73 miles an hour, you know, go ahead. Nine years. He's hitting 97. Um, it's development. Like, so not everyone can come as a top draft pick with the velo, with the stuff like in Mackenzie Gores, like in Luis Patino's and just, you, you're going to just, go through the affiliates with like butter. A lot of these guys need to learn, develop and get better. And that's what the minor leagues are for. I've been keeping up on Nick Kuzia. He's going to be a coach someday. He's yeah. going to be a pitching coach or he's going to run his own pitching, pitching program. Yeah. That Kuzia, Kuzia pitching uh, on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. So the next article we've got here, baseball America released their top 100 prospects. And there was one name that was no surprise. And another name that kind of caught me by surprise a little bit. So at number 22, they had Jackson Merrill shortstop their tools. They've got him at a 60 for his hit uh, 55 power run of 50 field of 55 arm of 55. So average or above across the board. Uh, the skinny, the Padres top prospect has seen limited action over his first two professional seasons due to injury. But when Merrill is healthy, few hitters possess his upside at the plate, a strong combination of bat to ball skills, approach and projectable power. Give Merrill the look of an offensive standout. And I'm going to add to that and say that the off the field stuff, the, the leadership, the, the in-game poise, all the stuff that he's shown already in a, in a shortened season in single a, those are the things that are going to carry through as he makes his way up through the upper levels. Yeah. You know, it was, you, you saw those games where they got a hit, you know, a good hit and, and scored a run. He's at the top step. He's out front. He's jumping around. He's a baseball fan. Not only is he a good baseball player, but he's a baseball fan. And, and that, that leadership, that excitement, that passion um, is just going to carry him. Uh, not only through the system, but like with, with other teammates, like he's a top draft pick. He could be in the dugout going, okay, all right, high five. You know, I'm the fifth guy down the road. He's the first one out there. Oh yeah. No, I'm sure you get a lot of guys that are air quotes, top prospects, right. And they're kind of big time in it already. Right. You know, they don't need to be up on the top prospect getting excited because they, Oh, I got my, my ticket punched for the next level already. Well, you call them the bonus babies, right? The bonus babies. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't act like that at all. So then next at number 69, Dylan Lesko, right-handed pitcher. Uh, for his grades, they gave him a 70 on his fastball, a 50 on his curveball, a 70 on his changeup, and a 60 on control, which kind of blew my mind because he has yet to throw a pitch right. as a pro. 
So in the spring tra- in the spring leading up to the 2022 draft, some scouts regarded Lesko as the best high school pitcher they had seen in years. But he had Tommy John surgery in late April, which knocked him from a potential top five overall pick down to the Padres at number 15. Given the quality of Lesko's three-pitch mix, that could look like a steal and quickly. So as you noted, uh, Dylan Lesko is in San Diego for their major their uh, major league phase of their of their spring training uh, yeah, strength yeah. camp, whatever, you, however you want to call that. Um, April will be a year since Tommy John. He's probably already started some sort of light throwing program. Right. Um, by the end of the summer, I imagine he'll have pitched some innings in the complex league. I don't know if they're going to assign him to anything uh, more laborious than that. Right. But the fact that they're hanging a 70 on his fastball and his changeup, this is on the 20 to 80 scale. And they haven't even seen him since before he had Tommy John. And yeah. that speaks to just the quality, not just of the stuff, but also how he was able to command it and and deploy it as a high schooler, as a junior in high school. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things, one of the other campers, like, was sitting there talking to him. And he's like, bah, 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 you know, and he's like, I was sitting there talking to him. Didn't know who he was. I'm like, hey, so what's your name? He's like, oh, Dylan, let's go. Then for the camper, he was like, "Oh shit, that's that's Dylan Lesko." Um, took a picture with him and posted it on 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 our little thread here. Um, another standout kid that's just you know is, is happy go lucky, good kid. Um, the tools are there. Um, you know the the fastball with velocity that young and is you know is good reason why he has had Tommy John so young. But get it out of the way this early, and then we'll see. I I kind of projected him to maybe finish the year in Lake Elsinore just to kind of get his feet wet, depending on how it goes. Um, I can see that, you know, th- there's a large investment. So there's a lot of money riding on that. So I'm not sure if they, you know, it'll be maybe the last three weeks, maybe last month uh, that they kind of get him out there just to kind of get his feet wet and kind of get familiar with Lake Elsinore. But I wouldn't be surprised at all. For sure. For sure. And on Jackson Merrill, I wouldn't be surprised. I kind of expect him to start obviously in Fort Wayne and then finish the year in double A. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean unless something goes goes haywire. I mean, I expect him to to hit the ground running in Fort Wayne and earn that promotion mid-season. Yeah. Um and then who knows? I mean, the sky's the limit for the kid. I I doubt he makes it to the majors in 23. Uh but if it was a different organization, you know, with different different internal, you know, different needs, different opportunities, maybe. Yeah. You know, if he was playing for the Pirates or the Twins or something. Not the twins, the 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 Marlins, or you know, one of the one of the more bottom feeding pirates. I I really think it's probably going to be. I think they have it on their twenty five for him to to maybe make his major league debut. Right. So, I mean, re- so realistically, you give him all the twenty three in high A, double A, and then twenty four, you start him in triple A and kind of see how it goes. Maybe he gets a cup of coffee and then 25 would be when he fully comes out, you know, yeah. you give him a starting job somewhere that yeah. that's reasonable. Yeah. You know, but people, people love to put everybody on the Tatis train. And it's so, it, and there's such an outlier. Your your Fernando Tatis juniors. There's such an outlier that you're right. Like, Oh yeah. I'll be there two years. Yeah. Every, every, level is different every level is incredibly hard and particularly once you get to the pacific coast league you are dealing with you're right there and who we talked to we talked to um i couldn't remember i think we talked to alex jacob and he's like you know what i, I got to triple a and i'm like i'm this close so he started doing things different right you start pressing we start trying too hard yeah and trying to impress and you're like but i'm right there i can see i can see the window i can see the door 
you know, and it blows up in your face. And yep. and that's just not how it goes. And uh, we'll we'll see how it go- we'll we'll see what goes on. But certainly, uh, I'm excited for him to put on a little bit of weight, have that power show up, and seeing the video of him hitting that bat speed is there. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so we got a bunch of business, a bunch of uh, transaction business to clean up on. Um, and with the time we've got left, I, I try to organize things in order of priority, I guess you could say. So we still haven't spoken since the team signed Matt Carpenter. Yeah. Uh, they signed him to a two-year deal. It's $6 million guaranteed in 2023, a player option for $6 million in 2024, uh, with incentives based on plate appearances that could make it up to $21 million total. Um when I heard that they were going after Carpenter, kind of the same thing I was thinking when they were courting Cruz is like, I'm not sure, you know, because Carpenter didn't play a whole lot last year. He's coming off a couple of down seasons, but the time that he did play last year, he was really good. Right. But once I saw this deal, it's like, you know what? Why not? You put it all right there on the table and say, go get the money. I think it's a lot of money. I I, I think it should be a more of a show me contract because he did, he did hit well with the Yankees. Uh, he got injured in September last year. You know, the yeah, he, he about fouled it. a ball off his foot and broke it. Right. But yeah, he he so he signed. <laughs> he, I I don't remember the team he had. He had a minor league deal in in spring training, and he wound up not making camp with that team. And then he went back to the Woodhouse and revamped his swing and showed up with the Yankees as a totally different guy. Yeah, I think he dropped a leg kick on on his swing. Oh, I'm sure yeah. there's more to it than that. I read the, yeah, the, right. the article in the athletic and it, I mean, it was uh, apparently he went and they were, they were looking at slow motion video, looking at his bat plane, looking at, at all of his motions. And there were a whole lot of things that he was doing that had degraded over time. And I can imagine, I mean, he's a multiple all-star. Um, he led the league in hits one year. I I can imagine that you come up and you, you show off like that for five, six, seven years, like he did. And you kind of think, I know what I'm doing. And right. you don't need to go back and reanalyze things and break it down and start over. Uh, but eventually, that's that's what he wound up having to do. So, um, no, it's not St. Louis. Saint, he was with St. Louis most of his career. I want to say it was the Rockies that he had that minor league deal with. I'm scrolling through Seattle. Baseball. But we're yeah. both probably wrong. Um, uh, Texas Rangers. There we go. Okay. So, the, so the money, the money's a little high for me. I like him. I think he's a good clubhouse guy. I, I the the experience is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's nothing but upside. Yeah. So if and, if and, and the our... team has enough depth and flexibility right now that you can you can work with it. Right. Um, and now you got Nelson Cruz on on board. Yeah. You, you depend. However much Matt Carpenter is on the field, maybe those two guys are a DH platoon for the most. And then you've got um, you've got Cronenworth uh, playing mostly first base. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a lot of options, a lot of ways it can go. Yeah, and and with Matt, you know, people were talking about why didn't we sign Brandon Drury? I don't think he was going to get the playing time that he wanted. Right. Um, he obviously wanted a multi year deal. He got it with the Angels. He wanted more playing time. He probably wasn't going to get that uh, with with our outfield with Juan Soto, Luis, Fernando Tatis, and, and Trent Grisham. Even if we were to trade and say uh, Trent Grisham, but um, you know, so he went somewhere else, and it was a I was bummed to see that happen. But like hell yeah, stick with yourself. And go out there and get what you want. It's more. I feel like and, that's kind of the money. same thing with Profar, where Profar is at right now, yeah. as well as maybe bringing Will Myers back. Yeah. And Myers found an opportunity. He's going to be playing every day, and he's going to be hitting nukes. Yeah. And Profar is still looking for that opportunity. Well, see, with, with, my, my thoughts on Profar was he had one decent season, actually his best career season, after years of kind of low expectations, uh, out, out of not even meeting expectations. Right. He was a top prospect with the Rangers for so long. 
and have just never seen to put it together, got into the group with, you know, got into a lineup with Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. and did pretty well. Um, and a lot of those teams were shelling out tons of money, just throwing it out left and right. Why not try to get a better deal? I just think for me, it was one, one pretty good year, but getting paid for it. Like he was making what, seven, eight million dollars a year mm-hmm. on, on a three or four year deal. And that's about the production that matches up with his, uh, with the money. Now you're more of a branded Drury believer than I am. I I feel like what we saw Drury kind of do that last year. Like he finally had the year where he broke out. Right. How real is that? After right. he came to San Diego, the performance didn't quite hold up. I mean, we saw some power, but he wasn't the same guy that he was in Cincinnati. Is he right. going to be that guy going forward? And is that who you want at at first base or right. you know trying to anchor the middle of your lineup? I I, I don't believe in Drury like that, but right. the Angels do. Yeah. Did you hear that Artie Moreno now is not selling the Angels? I saw that. Oh, my God. Why? I feel so bad for Angels fans. Why? He's such a bad owner. He's such a bad owner. Uh, baseball baseball deserves better. They do. It, it really does. Uh, but let's move on to more guys in the funny, uh, on the 40 man. On the funny man, uh, I like the signing. It's all upside, low risk. The Brett Honeywell, I watched him through double uh, A because um, he pitched in the Texas League. When I was watching a lot of McKenzie Gore and Luis Pacino go through the double A, he was a top prospect just throwing BBs. Yeah, so they the Rays drafted him in 2017. He was a consensus top 20 prospect before the 2018 season, then missed all of 2018, 19, and 20 to arm injuries. He had Tommy John surgery, and then right when he was coming back from Tommy John, he fractured his elbow, and he had other complications. Uh, but now I mean, the talent is still there, and it wasn't yeah. just the stuff. He had command. He had elite command. So if, if he can be healthy, then... Who knows? I mean, you yeah. need depth. And I've colors made a whole bunch of nice depth signings lately. Um, the next one on the list is center fielder, Adam Engel. He's 31 years old, uh, righty hitter, um, fairly light hitter in his time in the majors. Um, but I mean, he's got 537 games under his belt from with the White Sox from 2017 to 22. He was non tender by the White Sox because he was projected to make $2.3 million in his final year of arbitration. Um, above average defender and center fielder. Uh, so he's almost on power on par with Trent Grisham. So if yeah. something happens to Grisham, he can step in. Maybe he's the fourth outfielder. Uh, good speed on the bases. So being a yeah. righty hitter, defense first, uh, fairly quick on the bases, pretty good contact guy. I see him bumping Jose Azokar to AAA. Which is okay. I mean, you get you get a little more experience uh, than yeah. what you had with the Zokar, and and yeah. Zokar is still there for depth. Absolutely, and now Zokar, he um, you know, he, he a little bit smaller guy. Yeah. So I think I think you know you have him play a full season. He starts to wear and tear at the end of the year, and then the production drops off. You have Adam Engel there, and I couldn't pick that guy out of a lineup. You know, you saw the video on Twitter, but like, okay, there you go. But the ones that have depth. And and the, that depth, the Honeywells, your Angles, your your William Font, we're about, Wilmer Font, we're about ready to talk to. All those guys are high upside and depth. So right. if someone goes down, or if they're blowing up a Triple A, like um, like who's on the who's on our forty man right now? Came up from uh, Brett. Oh my God, I'm I'm, I'm drawing a b- blank, but he's on our twenty five man roster right now. Okay. Right. Wait, well, so Wil- Wilmer Font, Wilmer Font turns 33 in May. Um, he was with the Rangers from 2016, 2006 to 14. So there's a bit of a AJ Preller connection there. Uh, he made the majors with the Rangers in 2000, 
12 and 13, but then he bounced around Cincinnati, Toronto, Dodgers, Oakland, Rays, Mets, back to Toronto. Um, he's got 96 games across six seasons in the majors. Uh, but the last two years, 2021 and 2022, he's been in the Korean Baseball League. Um, he's been among the lead leaguers, league leaders in most categories. Uh, according to MLB trade rumors, he said over the past two seasons, Font owns a 3.03 ERA with a 24.5% strikeout rate against a terrific 5.9% walk rate. Font, who averaged 95.1 miles an hour on his heater during his last big league campaign in 2020, also induced grounders at a healthy 53% clip during his time in the KBO. So he's probably at the top of the scale is what they see in velocity in KBO. But Korean hitters understand the strike zone. You don't see guys striking out a ton in the Korean baseball league. And so the fact that he was able to hold guys to a low walk rate that I think that will translate well. So I think he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on in spring training. I don't know if he's one of these guys that might have like opt outs. Oftentimes these minor league deals have uh, opt outs like June 1st, July 1st. Um, So there's always always a shuffling in spring training where we may drop a guy and someone else will drop a guy and we'll pick him up like that whole roster construction with guys that you know that don't make it for this club but because we're a higher level but this other club is doing better you know it's just i i I see that and i think is kind of waiting for that kind of stuff to happen to get even more depth you know we're waiting for a trade to get more pitching um i think it's going to be i think the saddlers have really put a hard cap on where our spending is right now where we're going to have to you know it's going to be signing a minor league deal and then he makes a major league club on a minimum, you know, major league minimum deal. So that money is, is minimal. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. The, I think you've got to imagine that those strings are getting short. Yeah. So Craig Stammen is back. He'll be 39 in March minor league deal. No problem with that. Great guy. Uh, he was pretty done last year, but on a minor league deal, there's no risk. Um, and then the last guy on my list here, uh, Angel Sanchez, 33 years old. Um, in 2017, he made the majors with Pittsburgh for eight games, but then since then, he's been in KBO in 2018 to 19, and then 2020 and 21 in Japan, and then this offseason, he's been pitching in the Dominican Winter League. So same kind of thing. You never know what kind of talent is going to roll out. I mean, the guy was, he was an electric talent kind of a guy. He just didn't have the control to stick in the majors. Yeah. So a few years, you know, now that's been, what, four plus years, who knows what the guy looks like now? Yeah. Um, and then the last little note on my list here, Sean Poppin, who was claimed off of waivers from the Diamondbacks. He's now been outrighted to AAA to make room for Nelson Cruz. Yeah. <gasps> and all those guys are just, they're, they're depth. And every season, you know, your minor league guys that you don't know of, you know, they pop. And, and you know, and they move up in the system. And, and some of these guys that they send on minor league deals as death pieces are blown up you know, and, and make some spot stars and become that. You always have that shuttle guy every year where I think the um, the collective bargaining agreement has changed that a little bit, but still you're going to have your shuttle guys that come back and forth and, and get it done. So that's well, look about- at Nabil Chrismat. Nabil Chrismat was that guy, and now he's one of my favorite people in the org. Absolutely. That's about all we got. You can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I'm at Zippy underscore TMS. We are out of time. Let's go Padres. Go Padres. Love in return. Oh, 